Hello everybody and welcome. This is the Midnight McBride Show, show number 61. And this show is called The Spirit of Frida Kahlo. Now, I've got a very special guest in the studio with me and it's Philippa Bailey and she's a performance artist. And she's come in full regalia as Frida Kahlo. Hello, Philippa. Hello, Midnight. Nice to meet you. Hi. You look incredible. Thank you very much. Yes. So... I'll start at the beginning, and I tell people how we met, and it's through our good friend Liam Brown. That's right. And Liam was in our house at some point, and he noticed that we had Frida Kahlo everywhere. And Willow is, I think, I'm okay to use the term obsessed with her, you know. We have Frida Kahlo pillowcases and pictures and calendars and books. And Liam said, I know a lady who dresses up as Frida Kahlo. Willow's eyes lit up. And I thought from this moment forward, I thought it'd be great to get you on the show. So really pleased that you came into the studio. We'd been to Mexico twice in recent years. The last time I went was in January. And it's full. We go to the West Coast, which is the Pacific Coast, and we go to Puerto Vallarta. And just north of there, there's a village called Bucharest. Bucharest, I think I've said it right. Beautiful village, and it's just full of galleries. A lot of Americans go down there, all the artists. And on Thursday nights, all the streets lit up with fairy lights. You go down, they give you drinks and snacks, and it's a beautiful, beautiful place. And we sort of just fell in love with Mexico, and obviously that's where Frida Kahlo was originally from. So, Philippa, I'm going to let you talk. We'll start with, and I know that you're loquacious, which is my new word, which means you like to talk. We'll start with, what is a performance artist? Hi, Midnight. Thanks for asking me that question. Well, a performance artist, which is what I actually do, is where somebody who's within the arts world dresses up as either their alter ego, which perhaps could be a made-up person or a made-up character, or some artist like myself represents somebody that has already lived before. So my performance art is where I represent Frida Kahlo in her visual imagery. So I'm not saying that I'm Frida Kahlo returned and here I am. Not reincarnated. Reincarnated. So I use visual imagery of Frida Kahlo in my performance art to open the door, really, for people who don't know who she is and don't know what she's about. And that is my way of promoting who Frida Kahlo was. Right, right. I'm going to mention at this point as well, you also make sage. We actually purchased some of it and I've got a great big, it's like a banana of sage, a massive thing. And we joked on Liam's show that we keep it behind the door in case we get burglars because we could knock them out with it. It's a massive thing. But do you actually grow it? Yes, that's right. I grow sage myself and I harvest it and then I dry it out and I create smudges, which is dried sage which you burn, which cleanses your environment. It's a natural, holistic plant, which cleanses your environment and rids the negative energies so that your space is open to invite positive energies back within the space that you live in or work in, you know, or reside in. But it's very close to my heart. Yeah. Before we get into your life journey, we're going to talk about your life. I read your show notes and there's so many similarities between your life and Frida's life. 
including an accident, you know, being part of it as well. But I find it fascinating. It's really, I'm quite lucky because when I get a guest on, I get to find out quite a lot about them. And I can see these parallels, you know, when they jump out at me sometimes. But you could literally go through your life and there's key points in her life that were very similar to your own, aren't there? Yeah, that's right. When I first discovered who Frida Kahlo was, which is actually 20 years ago almost, I couldn't really believe the things in common that we had, which actually started by me discovering her self-portraits. And when I opened these books and saw these female artists' different work, it was almost like looking at photographs or pictures of myself in my earlier years. And I think that was the the turning point for me to want to understand a little bit more about the artist herself and also her backstory. Yeah. We are quite privileged to get you in full Frida Kahlo dress today because she died when she was 47. You've now just passed that age and you said that you'd sort of of slowed down a little bit with the performance artwork and you'd sort of possibly retired her. But when you get the opportunity to put the gear on, that you jump at it. Yeah, that's right. It's really interesting because when I do dress up as Frida Kahlo, I immediately feel a sense of empowerment. Just tell us a little bit. I've read up on Frida. I'd seen a film about her life, which we'd discussed, and I'd read up on her a bit. And the art is described as either magic realism or surrealism in some instances. Is that correct? It isn't really correct. Many people do make the mistake of considering her a surrealist artist. However, surrealism is made up and fantasy, so it isn't within this world. So a good example of a surrealist artist is Salvador Dali. So, for instance, we, you know, we wouldn't have a melting clock on our wall, yes. um, that type of thing. So that type of thing is, is classed as surrealism. When you see Frida, Frida's work, and you look at her, some of her paintings, you begin quite right to think she was a surrealist however all her paintings are actually a result of her real life yeah I I think uh, from my perspective a way of describing it would be although it might look like surrealist work it's actually her interpretation of her inner world and her life and her experiences so it's it's based on real events or real feelings or her life but the way she portrays it it's a it's a little bit different. It's not just a portrait, is it? You know, she usually uses different colours and it's visually, it's very different. Yeah, that's right, Midnight. I agree with what you're saying there because when you look at her pictures, she uses very bold colours and initially you wouldn't necessarily think she was a Mexican artist because she uses so many of her own self-images um, to make her work with. Um, it's only a couple of the photographs that are politically minded, which actually gives away the fact that she is Mexican. Yeah. A lot of her work is self-portraits and indigenous work, artefacts, things like this. Her self-portraits, I'm correct in saying, is because she spent a lot of time in bed. I believe she used to have a mirror above her bed and so that that's why a lot of the work is of herself. 
Yeah, that's right. Frida had um, a very bad accident when she was 17 years old, which caused a lot of um, lower spinal problems. Um, and as a result, she was bedridden for quite a many number of years on and off. Um, and within this time was when she started to paint her own self-portraits. And as you say, she was bedridden and she had a lovely four-poster bed and she had a mirror which was above her bed and she was in a full plaster, a plaster cast. Yeah. There's quite a famous scene in the movie where she couldn't go to a party and I think it was the opening night of some of her work and so they put a bed on the back of a, a wagon and drove her there. <laughs> yes, it's quite a prolific story. Um, Frida was constantly taking painkillers um, due to the um, pain that she suffered from the accident when she was 17 yeah. um, and even though this was a good few years later when she did have her exhibition she was taken in her bed which was a quite a phenomenal thing at the time it was very very unusual as a female artist in Mexico as well it was very unusual that she would be given special treatment to get her to the exhibition however her husband was Diego Riviera yeah. And he was already a very, very prominent muralist in Mexico. He was a world-famous artist, wasn't he? Yes, he was. And in fact, he was 20 years older than her when they first met. And a womanizer. she fell in love. <laughs> yeah. I definitely described Diego as a womanizer. Um, he also had an affair with Frida's sister, yeah. which was quite a big turning point for Frida at the time. I think she, that was the point where she was within her darkest days. Yeah. I think they had quite an open relationship, didn't they, where they both had other partners, male, female, you know? Yes, they certainly did. Um, Frida Kahlo was many things, and one thing she was was an open bisexual, again, which was quite avant-garde in, in those days. Yeah, yeah. So, Philippa... We're going to talk about you for a bit now and your life. I say that your past doesn't define you. It's just your view on the journey to this present moment. And so we'll talk about your life and, and possibly explains why you do what you do and why you do the performance art as Frida Kahlo as well. You're a Bolton girl. I certainly am. Yes. I'm very and proud to say that. We found a lot of commonalities that... You used to live just around the corner from where I live at the minute. You used to live on a street that Willow's lived on. You know some of the people we know. You used to go in the same clubs as Willow. You used to go in the same pubs as Willow. And then eventually we found the connecting factor, which is, we're going to say it, Ray Beadle. Ooh, hello, Ray. <laughs> and then it all started to click, didn't it? And you were a, a punk uh, a mod slash scooter girl as well, and then you're in the Hacienda doing all the same things that Willow did as well. So tell us, first of all, in Bolton, why is Nosley Street significant? Well, Nosley Street's very significant to me and the Market Hall because my family was Pot Baileys. And what's Pot Baileys? Pot Baileys is a shop, and it's been there for over 150 years which was Joseph Bailey's of Bolton, and it was the glass and china merchants, which had a shop on Nosley Street and stalls within the Market Hall. I remember. I can remember, yeah. I was a Saturday girl there and spent 
most of my Saturdays in the late 70s and early 80s, running errands within the market hall, um, serving... Um, running downstairs below the market hall to where all the big warehouses were to bring things up. And I have wonderful memories of it. You also said that your grandfather was a magician. Yes, he certainly was. My grandfather was Clem Bailey. And he was, before my mum, the last proprietor of Joseph Bailey's. Joseph Bailey was his father and then his forefathers before him. They were all Josephs until my grandfather Clem came along. And in his spare time, he loved um, to be a magician doing card tricks. And he was also an illusionist. His assistant was my mum, Vivian. And I'd spend many weekends, maybe up in Blackpool or down in Bolton, um, within theatres, and I'd be sitting in the wings while they would perform their shows. Yeah. Did your mum have to, did she dress up? Yes, yeah. she certainly did. She um, dressed up for all the illusions. She was cut into three. Um, <laughs> one of their illusions was the Russian roulette, where she would hold sticks of dynamite and an audience member would come up and randomly press one of four buttons, hoping not to blow her hand off. <laughs> and you also said that your auntie and uncle were artists as well? Yeah, that's right. My mum's sister, um, my auntie Judith, um, was a very, very talented artist, a textile artist. Um, and then she became, she went on to become a, a teacher, an art teacher. Um, and my uncle um, was also a very prominent painter and photographer who many of you may remember if you went to Haywood School because he was also an art teacher at Haywood School. Ah, what was he called? His name was Mr Ron Sims and he was a predominant painter up in Horwich and would paint scenes like Up on the Pike or Winter Hill um, all those places that many of us, like myself, would spend on a Sunday walk, going for a walk on. So would you call him an impressionist then, a, a landscape artist? Yes, very much. Yeah. You started making art at an early age and you said you did it with your cousin as well. Yes, my cousin Tabitha and I started making art at age around seven. And we experimented with plays, with theatre, um, with painting... And again, we used Horwich and Bolton really as our inspiration to make art as children. We're going to jump on a little bit here because we've got quite a lot we're going to talk about. But you, through your school years, you said you didn't really fit in, you weren't comfortable and then you became a punk. I did become a punk. So you've always liked dressing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I have always liked dressing up. Yeah. Did you have boots, Mohican, what... What variety of punk were you? Well, I started off with the Mohican, the leather jacket or the denims and the tartan pants, the Doc Martens. And then this developed onto becoming a rude girl where I got my first scooter, which was a Vespa. And then I went on to getting a vintage Lambretta. Right. What music, when you say rude girl, what music would you be listening to? I was listening to Scar and two-tone music. The specials, things the like specials, this. specials, Madness, yeah. Scratch the Upsetter, um, and a lot of the old 60s and 70s music. Yeah, it's almost like you and Willow went through exactly the same phases. 
you know, when she tells me about, because I didn't know about then, but yeah, she was a punk and then a rude girl, if that's the right term, and then went on to clubbing after that to the Hacienda, you know, which is, you did that too. I did do that too, I did. I also started to go clubbing in the 80s. So from the 70s, 80s and 90s, I think it was a really good time to be able to experiment because there was so much pop culture around and there were so many inspirations as well from the 70s that you could, you know, that you could take inspiration from, essentially. I think most people, I know I do, those years, your teenage years where you're maybe going from the age of 14 and 15 up to your early 20s, they were good times. You know, I went clubbing a lot, I went partying. I have lots and lots of fond memories of that period, yeah. And I think as well, in Bolton at the 80s and 90s, it was a very prominent time for the town as well. So you said you fell in love at a young age and you became a mum. So how old were you then, Philippa? I was 17 when I became a mum. Right. I keep feeling like I want to call you Frida, not Philippa. It's strange, isn't it? That's fine. Because that's what I'm seeing, you know. 17, when you became a mum. Yes, I was a really young mum. Did you marry, settle down? No, I settled down for a little while with my um, partner. Um, And then life takes you on different journeys and, you know, we we took different paths in life. Yeah. So one of the first similarities that jumped out at me was your accident, Philippa. So you had a car accident. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I had a car accident in my early 20s. Um, I was actually just on the back, on the way home from my school run. I was in hospital for one to two days and I suffered a punctured lung and a couple of broken ribs, some damage to my cheekbones in, on my face and some lower spinal injuries as well. Right, so it was quite a serious accident. It was, yeah. It really sort of took me off the map for a little while. And as a result of that, I really lost my confidence I became quite depressed and I got agoraphobia, which is something which means you are scared to go out. Fear of the outside world, Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. And you said PTSD as well. Yes, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, It was something that I'd never heard about previously. And once I was suffering from it, I realised how it can totally wrap you up in a blanket and stop you from living your life. You also said, Philippa, that because of some of the choices you made with your relationships that you actually had further physical injury, is that right? Yes, I was a victim of domestic violence for a couple of years and that had a significant effect on myself, my confidence and my life journey. Yeah. Were you still in Bolton at this point? No, at this point I'd moved to Manchester, so only up the road really. At the age of 30, you mentioned, Philippa, that you rediscovered art, got back into education. I love the term you use where you say uh, art as medicine as well. So tell us what happens next, this part of your journey. I went back to college around the age of 30 and I think this was part of my own um, self-healing really. I discovered that art was my medicine. So I went back to college and I went then on to university and I studied visual arts and culture at Salford University, which was a BA honours degree. And it was there that I actually discovered who Frida Kahlo was. Right. Was this like um, an epiphany? Did it knock you off your feet? Were you getting goose pimples? Because obviously it had a, a massive impact on you. Oh, yes, midnight. Totally. 
I did have goose pimples. It was an epiphany. So when I was looking through this book about female artists, I came across some self-portraits of Frida Kahlo. This immediately captured my attention because the pictures I was looking at looked so much like me. Well, without the dress and the accessories and everything else, you do look like her. Yes, I was told that by a few of my friends and colleagues at the time and they kept saying, oh, you've got a look of that woman, you've got a look of her. For me as a teenager, a lot of my rebellious times were because I really had issues with my identity of sort of knowing who I was. When I found Frida Kahlo and her portraits, it was like finding myself or finding my tribe that I fitted into. Yeah, I think... A lot of us can spend our life looking for something and we don't even know what it is. It could be like yourself with Frida Kahlo. It could be any number of things and it resonates with you and quite often you can't even explain it. You just know that there's there's something there that in this thing you feel passionate about it. It makes you feel good. It's inspiring, you know, and, and obviously that was, you found it. You found the magic. So when I looked at Frida Kahlo's work, it really inspired me to find out who this woman was. So I started to look at her backstory, her family background, the things that she'd been through as well. And it was there that I was really inspired because we had so much in common. Maybe tell us, I like the word in use, I read this. And she taught me not to be afraid of who I am. I'm assuming then this, you, I don't know, drew inspiration or confidence from her, is that right? I definitely drew inspiration and confidence from Frida. And it's a funny thing. One of the main reasons that gave me confidence when I saw her photographs and her paintings was that she has a moustache. <laughs> and all the women of brunette or darker hair, we always have a life problem. And it's bodily hair, specifically our moustaches. <laughs> right, yes. Well, she also had a unibrow, didn't she? But instead of most women quite often try to cover these things up or treat them, she embraced it, didn't she? It's like an iconic yeah. image of her. Is A lot of people, you'd see a picture, as soon as you see the eyebrow, you knew it was Frida Kahlo. Frida Kahlo's monobrow has become an iconic image within itself and just showing three flowers above the monobrow everybody knows who's yeah. a fan of Frida that that is Frida Kahlo I, I think it might even be safe to say that now more than in the past when she was alive her work is so famous now it's everywhere it's become very very fashionable you know and if you look on the internet, if you go into a lot of shops, you know, sh you know, even men, high street shops now, her prints, her pictures, pictures of her, her art, it's everywhere. Or am I just seeing it because it's alignment? I'm not sure yet, but... Frida's definitely become a brand in herself. Um, in the early 80s, um, the pop singer Madonna actually bought a couple of original Frida paintings um, for small sums at the time but her work is now as valuable up to two million pounds wow i was going to ask you what kind of money it goes for that's a i mean it's big books isn't it but it's a piece of history isn't it it's interesting because when frida died her husband diego 
bricked up one of the smaller rooms in the blue house. And within this room was her clothes, her personal lipsticks, her makeup, her hairbrushes, her love letters between himself and her. And this room was bricked up and it was only a few years ago that the room was unbricked. Wow. And that all her possessions and her intimate um, personal belongings were actually then exhibited in a show called Making Herself Up, which was exhibited in last year, in that 2020, um, at the V&A Museum in London. How long ago was this room opened up on Bricked where they got her possessions? Is it the last few years? I believe it's the last few years. I think it was just um, before Diego died and he instructed his lawyer um, that the room was able to then be unbricked. That's so exciting because it's a treasure trove of her life in probably kept in perfect condition, isn't it? I actually think it's a tribute to Diego's love for Frida that he made that decision to protect all her personal belongings. What I find interesting is, and I'm going to use Liam Brown's word when he talks about full power and stepping into your power, is that you said when we talked off camera that you didn't really, at one point, you didn't like how many picture taken, you were uncomfortable. You put the Frida regalia on, the full, the full outfit, the dress, and you step into this character and you became confident and comfortable. Yes, it's remarkable, Midnight. I don't like having my photograph taken. I don't like being in front of camera. But when I dress as Frida Kahlo, I feel so empowered. You're an artist, then you discover Frida and you then become a performance artist. Is your art generally along the lines of Frida's work as well, the actual paintings you do and things like this? My art does have a lot of parallels as well with Frida's art. Unknowingly... I have made art about my life. It's only when you look back sometimes that you can actually... Perspective. Yeah. Put perspective on it. And also, it's only when you sort of look back in retrospect that you can critique your own art as well. Sometimes when you're making art, you don't really know what's happening. It just happens itself. That's the best art. It's just a... A raw expression of your internal world, not fully understanding what you're doing quite often. You just know you have a feeling. That, that's, that's what art is, isn't it, you know, for me? Art really does evoke so many feelings. And I think that's why so many women and some men are truly inspired by Frida Kahlo and her work and her life. So 2003, Philippa, that's your first exhibition, is that right? Yes, I had my first exhibition in 2003. And I held this at the Taurus Bar in Manchester, which was at the time quite a prominent venue for performance art as well. The exhibition was called Issues of Identity. Was this an exhibition of your artwork or was it an exhibition of performance art where you being Frida? It was an exhibition of my own artwork. However, I used a model in this work and it was called Issues of Identity, where I explored the way women are valued in today's world and I developed the work as a response to oppression and some women have lives where they 
aren't able to live their own life. They're living within the shadow of somebody else and they're really oppressed. Yeah, well, again, you can probably draw parallels from that in your own life, can't you? Yes, I definitely can draw parallels within my own life, um, with my artwork. Again, you when you're making your own artwork, you don't realise how... Um, what an autobiography it can become. Yeah, I suppose quite often if, you, if you're creating a piece of art, you'll do it, you don't know why you do it, and then afterwards you can look back and you think, ah, I get it now. You know, you'll see that it's, I mean, if you're expressing yourself, it can only come from you, can't it? You know, unless you have the spirit of somebody else in you. But So that art is, is whether you understand it or interpret it or not at the time, is going to be an expression of part of your life, I imagine. An expression of my healing, definitely. Yeah. I'm going to read something from the notes now, and it, I'll explain why. You put, my wings had started to grow back and I could fly again, which is beautiful. And then I'd already picked the quote for the show, which I'm going to read at the end of the show, which is about wings. And then you said that Frida had actually done a quote about wings, which I hadn't heard, which is along the same lines as well. Now, this for me is synchronicity and alignment. That means that I believe that when you're on the right path and you're following your dharma, your heart and experiencing joy and bliss, that what people call coincidences, synchronicity and alignment, start to appear everywhere. And it's the universe corresponding to the nature of your song. And so I believe you were meant to be here today. I totally agree. I believe that I was meant to be here to get today as well. And who knew it could be that when we went to Mexico and we came back and then the Frida Kahlo small pictures appeared. Then it was the Frida Kahlo calendars. Then it was the Frida Kahlo cushions. And I did at one point think, when is this going to stop? You know, Willow just became obsessed with it, you know. But maybe that was to lead us to you. Because the synchronicity alignment for Liam to then identify with all these and knowing you. And it's funny that we could have actually met before to do with Sage, because obviously that's where we, we got our Sage. We didn't know at the time. For whatever reason, I believe that we were being drawn together. And maybe Frida is responsible for that. I completely believe that Frida is responsible for many, many connections that happen in the now. I believe that she's a pioneer for equality and adversity. And I also think that through the life of Frida, we can share our own experiences with each other without feeling a sense of shame or guilt. Beautiful. Beautiful. You said that. When you do dress up as Frida, if you're doing performance art, that it usually gets people, they become curious and they're asking questions like, who was Frida Kahlo? Why are you dressed as Frida Kahlo? And this, you invite this, this is one of the reasons you do it, to, to instigate this reaction, to get people curious. Yes, I think instigating um, questions by people is a really good way of inviting them into take more knowledge from the subject that you have a passion for and initially me having the passion for Frida I didn't really dress up as, as her for the first few years of knowing about her. Most of the artists I know 
or I've spoke to, and I'm, I'm very lucky, I've met a few, love the fact that, or love when they get a reaction from somebody. And sometimes it's good, bad, it can just stir things up. Jill Nicholas, who was on the show, some of her artwork, it is surrealism, and some of it is quite disturbing. And I looked at it and I said, ooh, I wouldn't like that in my bedroom, and this kind of thing. But it's still, it's getting that reaction, it's getting a response, it's invoking something inside of human beings to make them think or see differently. And so, however it works, the fact that you, you're getting people to think outside the box is, is great. And I think also it's um, a platform to explain to people and to support people um, in the fact that you can be who you want to be. And people will judge you, but you don't have to carry their judgments with you. I'm going to read something from the notes now, Philippa. And these are just some of the unique points about Frida's life, some of the significant things and why she was so groundbreaking. She was unique. She suffered from disabilities, obviously a lot of pain with her accident and things like this. She was the survivor of a major traffic accident, a serious traffic accident bisexual which at that time was very taboo a communist at that time very taboo and a massive age gap between herself and Diego she was divorced then remarried she had an abortion miscarriage <laughs> all controversial stuff especially between she was born in 1907 died in 1954 at 47 years old but even now that's a lot but Back then, I mean, even if you go back to the 70s and you were an unwed mother and you had a child, it was a big, you know, it was a taboo and a no-no. We're going back to the beginning of the last century. And, yeah, I, I love it. It's Wayne Dyer always says, you know, you, you need to become independent of the good opinion of other people. You need to stop giving a shit about what anybody else thinks or says. You've got to live your life. Express yourself. Be you. And she certainly did that. I think she certainly did express herself and, you know, really not care what anybody thought about her. She was a pioneer of the selfie as well, when you think about it. Yeah. There was there were no mobile phones then. Um, she was... Her family were quite upper class. Her mother was Mexican and her father was German. And her father was a very prominent photographer. So from a very early age, Frida and her sisters and brothers were around cameras and um, photographs, culture. And I think this was the first step to her starting to use her image as a way of healing, a way of um, promoting herself. And an expression as well, isn't it? She expressed herself via visually, just like you're doing. She did. And the clothes that Frida wore weren't a um, a mishmash of I'll wear something, you know, weird. She was actually a traditionalist. And the clothes that she wore and is very famous for being seen in on all her photographs and her artwork, a traditional me Mexican attire. Yeah, it's always traditional dress when she's doing her portraits and stuff, isn't she? Just like you are now. Well, Frida's family were quite well to do. Um, and at that time, again, as you said, between 1907 and 1954, there was a lot of 
poor people and then you've got the, the separation of the rich and her family were quite a prominent family. Frida was very much in touch with the people of the country and the people of the country were the poor people. The Mexican people would wear their traditional clothes as a symbol not to forget their forefathers and their forefathers before them as well. Um, the red and yellow um, top that she is very famously known as wearing is called a whippy. And these were family garments that were made by the women in the families and they were passed down through the generations. Tell us a little bit about what you're actually wearing now. So, you know, were you required? Because I think you were saying that some of the clothes you've got on are, they're not antiques, I don't know the right term. Vintage. Vintage. Vintage, some of the clothes. So tell us what you're wearing. What? Today I'm in Frida's formal wear. Um, I have many different outfits of Frida's that she would be seen wearing. Um, but today I'm in a vintage 1940s tie silk shirt and I've also got on a vintage 1940s long skirt on and the reason that I'm wearing these clothes is because they fit in with the timeline of life so I try to be as authentic as I possibly can when I am representing Frida because I make no bones about it I am not trying to be Frida but I represent Frida visually and try and use her image as an open book um, to invite people to come and read and look at and discover the wonderful world of Frida. For anybody that's watching at home, at the end of this show, which I do with most shows now, there's going to be a show reel. You're going to be able to see pictures of Philippa as Frida, as well as quite a lot of Philippa's artwork as well. So do check that out at the end of the show. Frida actually ended up having her leg amputated before she died, didn't she? It was about five months before she died. She right. had a right leg amputated. Did she have infection, gangrene? Yes, it was a gangrene-based infection. Right. So she'd, since the accident she had at a, an early age, she'd always had health issues, been suffering in pain, hadn't she? Yes, she was bedridden for many, many years and she depended very, very heavily on painkillers. Um... Some authors of her work do say that she became addicted to strong drugs um, of a painkiller yeah. type. Medication. Um, and medication. And um, in turn, that's what essentially made her continu continue to be, to be poorly. So, Philippa, tell us a little bit about what you're doing currently. I know you do workshops and creative sessions, or you have been doing these, is that right? Currently, while I live in Manchester, I am so lucky to work alongside a fantastic group of people called Friends of Fallowfield. And within this group, I've been able to lead my Art Oasis workshops. An Art Oasis workshop is where I invite anybody and everybody in. There's no criteria whatsoever. Come in pick a paintbrush up or a pencil, have a little play around at drawing or painting. Most people go, oh, I can't draw or I can't paint, but 10, 15 minutes into it, 
them out making or they're drawing little pictures. And for me, it's really an aim of building people's self-esteem or giving people the tools they may not essentially recognise will work, but painting and drawing can have so many positive effects on your own self-being. So in the light of current events and situations, has that had an impact upon you? COVID has had an impact at the moment. I'm not able to do workshops with the local community. I am working from home. I'm still developing my own artist practice. And back at the beginning of the lockdown, back in March of 2020, I produced some Frida-inspired art, um, which was quite exciting for me because um, another artist, the name of Stanley Chow, used this image in his adverts. Brilliant. You showed me this at the beginning of the show, and this is where you had some of his art and you took a picture of yourself with the art because he wanted people to show them in situ, in situation. And he ended up using your picture to promote it, to promote his art. Yes, um, I was lucky enough to have a Stan Chow print of Frida Kahlo um, signed for me by him. And it was given to me as a present by my children. Around my house, I now have lots of Frida Kahlo paintings, prints, posters the inevitable cushion. As an artist, it's really important for me to support other artists. So as well as making art about Frida, which I also do, I also buy art of, of Frida and I also buy art from other artists who make art about Frida. So there is a connection that goes all the way around circle of life isn't it <laughs> it is the circle of life so philippa what is next what's next for philippa well currently i'm nearing the end of my frida performance days no I'm, yay i'm nearing retirement um i've just hit 50 a few months ago and i feel now that retiring as frida not retirement Retiring as Frida. <laughs> You're not getting um, your buzz pass yet. Not quite yet. And I'm stay, taking a little step back and I'm now starting to look at the way that Frida opens relationships between other women and inspires each other and helps us to form friendships and solidarity between each other. Beautiful, beautiful, Philippa. I'm going to read a piece of poetry you wrote now called The Return. And we discussed it and you, you did ask me to read it. So, I, I mean, I'm, I would love you to read it, but you asked me to read it. So, and we'll probably, as I read this, we'll put an image of yourself on the show. She boards the plane on a journey to return home again. With wings and engine like no other. The strongest bird in the sky carrying the secret one back to the land of our iconic mother. On arrival, confusion is electrified. Crowds drawing quickly, caught up in the undoubtable aura of she with the secret behind her eyes. They stare, 
hypnotised by a familiar beauty personified. Yet she does not stop there and continues on her way, swinging a skirt of long and whirring flowers in her hair. What do they call you? A voice sounds out as she passes. Frida's daughter, she replies. I am my mother and my father and I am finally home at last. Shouting with joy, stamping a foot and raising a fist. It was true, her return was something not to be missed. At Koyakan, the blue house was much the same. A memorial surrounded by disciples, queuing for a glimpse of within. The walls were cool, the windows long. As she began walking from room to room, she could hear her mother's song. Feeling her pain, she knew Mexico's loss was also its gain. Bloody hell, that's beautiful. That's lovely, well done, that was nice. Yeah, that was my first reading of it. And yeah, with practice I could have probably done it slightly differently, but yeah, beautiful piece of poetry. Thank you. Is that about, she's obviously flown back home at this point and gone back to the, the famous house yes. where they both lived, Diego and Frida. And at that point, is that a real event? Is that when she returned? No, so if you think a little bit about it, the return, the spiritual journey, it's really representing all of us Fridas. We can, men, women, we can all, for many of us who've had significant life um, ups and downs, shall we say, we can all step into Frida's shoes. And I've based that on my spiritual journey of discovery of Frida, my now completeness of finding my tribe. So anybody that reads that can identify of their own journey. So I'm returning, you're returning, Willow's yeah. returning. Yeah. I'm very impressed. Beautiful piece of poetry, that, Philippa. Thank you. Also in that poem, wings pop up again. So there's wings in my quote, which I'm about to read. There's wings in your show notes. And there's actually wings in that poem as well. Beautiful. Philippa, if somebody wants to get in touch with you and they want to look at your art or they want to contact you and find out a bit more about it, how do they go about it? Well, they can get me on two platforms, Midnight. They can get me on Facebook and I have a page called Philippa Bailey Artist. And they can also get me on Instagram and, again, the same name, Philippa Bailey Artist. I'll put those links in the text underneath the video when it goes out on this channel so that people can have a look at your, your work. Philippa, thank you so, so, so much for coming on the show. I think you're a beautiful human being. I love what you're doing and I'm delighted you came into the studio. Thank you for having me, Midnight's. Wonderful. Okay, folks, I'm going to leave you with a quote from my book, From Pills to Peace, by me, Midnight McBride. And it's simply this. In order to fly, you must first learn how to spread your wings. If you want to excel and soar through the skies and follow your dreams, then first you need to discover who you are and find out your true nature, become yourself, just be, and experience bliss and joy. Once you... I've gone on this journey of self-discovery and you find out who you really are, then you can pretty much do anything. 
This has been Midnight McBride. I hope you've enjoyed the show. It's show number 61. Thank you, Philippa. You can catch this show every Monday night and every Thursday night. It comes out on YouTube and you can subscribe if you like and then you get all the updated shows. Three days after that, it comes out as an audio podcast on about 14 platforms now, including the main ones, which are Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, Amazon, Google and, and others. You can go to the website, midnightbitbride.com. You can catch me every Monday night on Salford City Radio, 94.4 FM, on the Mind, Body and Spirit Show, which is also called Midnight Till Midnight, from 11 till 12. You can also get the book on Amazon, From Pills to Peace. You can get it in Kindle and paperback, and in a lot of other places. You can also get the audio book on iTunes, ACX and Audible. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn and others. Right, I hope you've enjoyed the show. It's been my pleasure. Shalom. Thank you.